everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And today we are joined by a very special guest. If you follow us on Twitter, you've undoubtedly seen him. And if you're in popular K-State Twitter spheres at all, you've also probably seen him. And if you've attended the Bosco's Boys live shows, you know him as Rodeo Cat, but we just know him as good friend of the show, Ethan Brown. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ace. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be inducted into the Aggieville Alley frat. I love that. Expeditious. <laughs> that. How long did you think of that one? Um, I thought of it like four weeks ago. This has been a month in the works. <laughs> Aggieville Alley frat. I mean, that makes sense because like 90% of our listener base is male. So, yeah, shout out to, to the I think roughly 8% uh, women listener base. Shout out That's improvement, you know. Shout out to them. But, you know, we're going to actually just start off by talking to Ethan. And then, of course, we'll go through basketball recruiting. Um, a lot of very unfortunate news for women's non-rev sports, pretty much up and down the entire board. Real then, shame. Yeah, real shame. Then we'll talk a little bit about football news, and then finally the wacky segment of the week, which is Ethan's favorite part of the show. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but first off, Ethan, you know, you already said you're doing well, but how did you, I suppose the first question is the most important one. How did you get into K-State Athletics, and how did you become a fan? All right. So my favorite K-State memory and um, how I got into this into athletics was my parents both attended here. They're both alumnus, alumni. Sorry. And it was really um, going to Pizza Shuttle with my dad after football games. Um, I saw a sign that said ethanol or ethanol. And I thought it was pronounced ethanol. And that's when I knew that K-State was the place for me because they were making signs about me. <laughs> wow. That is like the most wildly specific thing that I've ever heard for yeah. becoming a <laughs> K-State fan. And I love that. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's really cool. So what is your... Hmm? Wait, no, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 I was just going to ask, like, what's your favorite sport that either we cover? What's your favorite sport to watch here? Bro, I'm the rodeo cat. Got to shout out the rodeo team. Uh, you know, they they don't they they aren't they're more they aren't like recognized as much as they should be, but they're definitely they're definitely my favorite. Second favorite though has to be women's basketball. Just a midi gang for life. I've actually been to a K State rodeo. I went there exactly once. It was exactly what you think a K State rodeo is like. Is it's not any different from what you would think. Weber Hall's got it going on, you know. Absolutely does. It also has the meat sale on Fridays. Got some Indeed. awesome meat down there. But thank you again for joining the show today. While we go through all of these news, of course, we have a third voice bringing takes to us, which means we're going to open the show talking a little bit about basketball recruiting. And we're going to actually kind of work backwards here. Because the first person that we're going to talk about of the two new commits is Anthony Thomas from Tallahassee Community College. And he is the roster member that just filled it out, gave us the full 13 scholarships that we needed to have a full scholarship roster. 
which I believe we haven't done in quite a long time, have we? It's been a while because Bruce Weber always seemed to like keep a scholarship available. Um, it seems like for unknown reasons, perhaps a state secrets. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he he never really like like he'd always just keep one open. I think he might have like used it for like a mid season late edition like one time, and he was like, "See, see," and we were like, "Okay, like, that okay. didn't really do anything." But all right, yeah. We have a full 13, and what do you have on Anthony Thomas, Connor? And then, of course, Ethan, you can give your thoughts afterwards as well. Um, well, he's a six foot seven guard, uh, and I I really like him. He's kind of an unconventional guard because he's height wise, he height wise and length wise, he's pretty much a forward. But I think that he his game more translates to like a slashing three guard. He uh. Uh, has incredibly long arms, is very tall and pretty athletic. Um, and he, he's a really interesting wing player just because of his ability to get to the basket. He does have outside shooting ability, although I I don't think anybody would call it like the strength or uh, apex of his game or anything. But he shows a really great ability to uh, get to the rim. Uh, having those incredibly long arms really helps. This is like... This is like Jerome Tang's dream player, I feel like, where he's just like tall, long, athletic, and like is able to get to the rim really well. But he, like he's like still like th- this this guy is like kind of like a cross, I'd say, between someone like Naquan Tomlin and uh, trying to think of like a wing player that like would suffice. I honestly I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure. Um like I he he's kind of close to Naquan Tomlin, except Naquan's more of a uh, post player just because he's a little bigger but yeah thomas has a lot of weight to put on he's like he's very skinny right now i don't imagine we see a ton of him this year which kind of seems to be the consensus um but he will play however having a guy like anthony thomas as like your 10th or 11th guy uh that means that your team is really good uh or i shouldn't say really good they're they're the very least good i like we're looking at a tournament team, probably when you see a guy like Anthony Thomas that far buried, because he probably would have gotten significant minutes on last year's roster. Oh yeah, no, he absolutely would have gotten significant minutes last year. What do you have on him, Ethan? Well, I, I just like to point out that this isn't the first time he's played D one basketball. Um, he was in the UT Martin system. Uh, I think it'd be good for him to be back in a D one weight room. And uh, when it comes to like bench guys, I always like to think that like. You know, if I saw him at the wreck, they could still cook me for about 40 points. So, um, you know, the talent's there. Connor mentioned it, long arms. more Longer arms mean better hugs. So, seems like a good player. That, that, that's an All Big 12 hugger, basketball Anthony Thomas. Ability. All Big 12 hugger. All Big 12 bench guy. And I, I, I like that you mentioned he played D1 already as well, because that is something worth mentioning, that he yeah. did play... 2020 2021 i believe yeah. uh with ut martin as you said he averaged as a true freshman like nine points a game uh, a handful of rebounds like like nine points a game as a true freshman at any level is nothing to sniff at so uh-huh. that's fairly impressive so how, how many how many rebounds did you say he had handful i don't remember off the top of my head but well he, that, uh, that, that's still more than we had against ku and bramlage so. that is true that was one of the most frustrating like occurrences in my whole life was watching us attempt to rebound in that second half. So, but if any, if there's anything this team's going to be good at, I feel like it's going to be rebounding because this team is filled with athletic dudes with long arms that can go up and like grab a basketball. 
So yeah. if, if this team can't rebound, then I truly think that we should just give up on rebounding at Kansas State and just <laughs> like literally just like throw up one shot and everybody just run back. Yeah, I'd blame it on sea level, honestly. Fact. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything y'all said. Y'all pretty well covered it. So now we can talk about the no disrespect to Anthony Thomas, but um he's he's not the, the real prize here. He that without a doubt belongs to Keontae Johnson. The guy that we've been covering since like mid-June, saying that if he comes to K-State, no, you know, pun intended, he would be the key to our future success. And we've talked about it for so long that if he makes the team, like if he comes to K-State, it's, well, we'll talk about that at the end of this. But Keontae Johnson joins the team, and he was a former All-SEC player from Florida, and he was by far one of the most sought-after pieces in the portal, especially by teams that medically cleared him. This was a recruitment that, quite literally lasted down to the wire. I think he committed on Saturday before classes started. So... <laughs> yeah, he he was really like taking it down to the final moments, I feel like, to uh, to make this commitment. But did you have anything else that you want to like introduce on him? Uh, the only thing I wanted to introduce is the reason why he wasn't... The reason why I say he was medically cleared was because in 2020, I believe it was... He collapsed on the floor against Florida State, and it was a heart condition. It is worth noting that Jerome Tang has both assured he is medically cleared and also has experience coaching players who have had medical conditions in the past. So I just feel that I feel it was necessary to explain why he was in the portal, but he's such an amazing player. But I'll leave it to you two, starting with Connor, to discuss what is exactly in KJ's game. Uh yeah. You you put it pretty well. Keontae Johnson is a phenomenal player. He's going to be in all likelihood the best player on the team uh this upcoming season unless somebody just comes out of absolutely nowhere. Um he uh he collapsed early in the 2020-2021 um season, I believe it was uh, four games uh and it was partway through the fourth game. Um, but he was coming off a 2019-2020 uh, uh, season where he averaged 14 points a game, seven rebounds a game, 1.6 assists uh, per game as kind of a, a shooting guard, uh, a small forward type. Uh, he's 6'5", 220-ish. Um, he shot 54% from the field, um, including 38% from three in that sophomore season, which was that's the last time that we uh, – we have like really a, a solid sample size on him, but I mean, he's incredibly athletic. Um, probably the most athletic player K-State's had in years. Uh, Xavier Sneed, I think is probably the next closest, yeah. um, but you know, phenomenally athletic, uh, incredibly efficient player. Um, back in 2019, 2020, his best season, his uh, advanced stats uh, actually increased in conference play uh, compared to non-con. So he got better as he went. Um, at one point, he had an offensive rating of, I think, like almost 125, which is phenomenal, putting him among the best in the country. Um, he's going to come in and, and he's going to ball out, honestly, I, I think uh, is a fair prediction. I He should be somebody that's going to be good for double figures and at least like six or seven rebounds every night. 
I'm hoping, because uh, he can just do so much. He's incredible at getting to the rim because he's both strong and also crafty. Um, he um, does have a really nice outside shot as well. He's solid at the free throw line. He's a really physical player, plays great defense, and also rebounds well. He's a complete package. The only thing is uh, his heart issue, which he's been cleared by most medical staffs with the exception of Florida's. And so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Keontae can do. We mentioned this a little bit uh, in our it's two episodes ago now, yeah, where we talked about how he raises this team from a kind of bubble ish team so this is probably an ncaa tournament team if they reach their full uh potential or close to it i should say then i a team with keontae johnson on it um i i would expect 20 wins from this uh from this team which is a tall task given the big 12 and just how competitive it is year in year out but i think that they might be up to it what do you have on keontae ethan what are your thoughts on him well first of all stand up recruiting staff we got to we got to, they got to stand up, represent. They pulled a rabbit out of their hat on that one. So I was just like, it was purely magical that we were able to pull off this recruitment. And by we, I mean the the Doomtang clan. It, it just <laughs> to steal one of your your phrases there. The checks uh, in the mail for you using that, by the way. Yeah, go check out the merch store. I give you alley cats. Checks in uh, the mail for that one too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but um. Seriously, this recruiting job was really good. They they were able to convince um, not only the family that it was a safe um, transition because Coach Tang has worked with two other players with similar heart conditions, and that um, you know he passed up like serious money, five million dollars to to come play for the Cats. So I'm I'm really thrilled, and um, like you know we we said we needed a guy who could like be the predominant scorer and that's who this, that's who Keontae is going to be. And let it be known that in a four month span, both rec- best recruits from each revenue sport have the same surname. So if we just keep recruiting guys named Johnson, <laughs> girls named Johnson, if the rock has any more kids. We need to get them to K-State. Anyone <laughs> named Johnson, we need you to go to K-State. Um, yeah. So like he's going to score. And um, great job by the recruiting staff all around. Yeah. So, Connor, you've already touched on your expectations. I'll I'll talk about mine, and then we can talk about Ethan's. But I agree with you. I think this is easily a roster that if it doesn't – if we don't end up – I'm going to be realistic. We're not going to finish – I don't see us finishing, like, top three regular season in the Big 12 just because that's how ridiculous the Big 12 is. I could see anywhere from with this roster, if it lives up to its potential, I could see a fourth to a sixth place finish. Anything outside of that, I feel like, you know, you can chalk up to first year jitters and hope it improves from a coaching standpoint. Because you have to remember that Jerome Tang is a first year head coach, even if he was the right hand man during Scott Drew and one of the biggest turnarounds in college basketball history. It's still still a first year head coach. That being said, my expectations are that Jerome Tang is at least, and his staff are at least solid at on-the-court coaching. And I think if we get that solid coaching during when the game starts, I think that this is at minimum a bubble team and frankly a team that I have expectations for making the tournament. 
Ethan, do you have similar expectations or is, is this a natty team? Is this a, is this the team that's going to win the natty this year? Ooh, you can't set me up like that. I, I'm excited <laughs> to have a good time, Ace. But um, <laughs> um, something that I think it might be because of how late of an ad it was, but something I'm really excited for is the, uh, the uh, offensive scheme of Coach Rodney. I'm really excited to see what he can do, um, you know, working with those high schoolers and the I think it was the Peach Jam tournament and all the success he's had there. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, I think this is a tourney team. I think if we're playing a UC Irvine again, I don't think we're losing to them. Um, so I think we can, like, I think my expectations are around the same as yours. I think we could win a game if, if the draw was right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's a big thing that you brought up is the draw. Um, getting above that 8-9 line uh, is going to be huge. Because if you get in that 8-9 line, you're going to have to play the one seed, most likely. I say that with K-State having, you know, been the only team in the history of the NCAA tournament to win an 8-9 game and then not play a one seed the you know, we're following giant game. Killers, you know? So, yeah, so uh, I, I, I should put a little caveat on that. But, um, yeah, getting through the 8-9, uh, getting above it, I should say, getting to a 7, maybe a 6 or even a 5. I mean, Iowa State, I think they were a 5. So yeah, and they also got put in the Hong Kong clown division of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> you know, I say that they probably weren't a, a five. I think that's a gross over-exaggeration. I think they were more like an 11. Um, I, I, I thought don't know they why. were single digits. That seems unlikely. I, for some reason, um, they were an 11. I just looked oh, it up. 11. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. they would have, they would have played a five. I guess that's probably what I was getting at. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, honestly, I would rather do that than be in the eight, nine. Although yeah. being in the eight, nine, you have a really good shot. Uh, at least one is double a tournament win. It's just that your road is probably going to be pretty short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we play, if we play Illinois in the first round, we know we're winning that one. And um, easy. I, I can say that confidently. Yeah. yeah. Easy one. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Anything else on men's basketball before we move on to the women? Uh, 40, no. Natty champs. Yep. You heard it here first. That's Connor's <laughs> official prediction. He's locking it in. Locked in. <laughs> Ethan? Oh, man. Uh, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> I, I think... I think we're, we're we're winning everything at home, and then we're winning at Iowa State just just for kicks, just for kicks. because 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 Scott Wildcat said I don't bash Iowa State enough. We still talking basketball, or are we talking uh, football? No, we're uh, talking basketball. Okay, we're, we're 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 winning by twenty points in Ames. In Ames, yeah. I, I, I mean, hey, we Caleb beat them. Bur- we beat them in Ames this year. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, this past season. In overtime, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Recall. That was kind of a comeback, yeah. I remember. Shout out, shout out Caleb Grill. Uh, Caleb Grill, God, he, he had a rough game. I remember he was like 0 for 12. He like single-handedly lost that game for Iowa State, as I recall. Yeah. And granted, he came in and single-handedly won the game in Manhattan because yep. he like had like 18 points or something like that. Yep. This is what it is. It is what, what it is. <laughs> All right, so... Now let's talk about women's basketball. And unfortunately, remember when I Wait, said that Ace, all of... did, 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 you, did you give a prediction? Nope, Ace? Not doing it. Oh my <laughs> God. Time is not right. You're, you're the card master over here, man. 
got to play it close to the vest. So remember when we said that it is a, it's pretty much all bad news for non-rev women's sports. Well, we're starting with probably the worst news. It was released earlier today that Ioka Lee, the all-time single-game leading scorer in NCAA history and all-around K-State legend, Ioka Lee, number 50, will be out for this upcoming season due to her getting a knee surgery. First and foremost, what I want to say is I wish her a speedy recovery. I know what it's like to have very bad knees. So... (laughs) I, I just wish her a very speedy recovery, and I feel like that is the hope and, ex- and wish for in the majority for the fan base. But we still have to talk about what this means for the team. So f- for me, the, the ultimate question is, because this, Connor and I, you t- we talked about this all the way back in what? May that this was this upcoming season was going to be the cat's year to make legitimate damage in the NCAA tournament. If there was going to be a year that they were going to do it. Yep. So I'll go last again. What? Okay. First question. Does this eliminate your tournament expectations for the women's basketball team? Is this even a tournament team without Ioka Lee? For me, right now, I'm going to say yes. Um, I think that's subject to change. I think that there is a world where the team can figure out how to operate without Aoka Lee. Um, Because I think there's a really talented freshman class coming in. Um, we have a lot. We have several experienced guards coming back. It's still going to be a young team, but there there is talent on the team still. So I'm not going to be completely doom and gloom, but right now, I, I think it's going to be really tough for this team to make it because I think a lot of that was riding on Aoka Lee being healthy this year. Um, it, it, it's back-breaking uh, if, right now, uh, especially if you're on that team. But now you get uh, two months and six days um, before your first exhibition game against Fort Hayes State to figure out life post Aoka Lee. Um, I mean, there's still going to be young players like Serena Sundell, freshman Eliza Mop and, and others um, to come in and pick up some of the slack. I think we're going to see some young people step up, but at the same time, you know, Aoka Lee is irreplaceable at the end of the day. So I, I am at least for now, not expecting this team to be a tournament team, but I could be, I could be persuaded. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? Oh, it was, as a as a leading member of Midi Gang, it was, it was a very sobering and somber day. I, I was about to go into my first class of the day, and uh, I got I got the notification on my phone, and I about shed two buckets of tears from one side of the room to the other. And uh, man, um, I I really don't. I, I'd give my surgically repaired knee for Ioka Lee right now. Um, you wouldn't know what I'd do, but um. Well, actually, you would. I just told you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm with Connor. I I don't think that I could be I, again. I could be persuaded. Um, 
a big member of Mitty Gang. Shout out, Mama Mitty. She liked one of my tweets one time. And uh, th- sorry, I know this is very sad. I'm just trying to make light of a sad situation. Um, Serena Sundell is going to ball out. The Twins are going to ball out this year. Um, but um, n- not enough for a tournament bid right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not as doomer as a lot of people on Twitter are about it. I still think that this is probably a team that is on the bubble. I just, the team is so young and at least right now, our main big that has experience is Taylor Lauterbach and no, no offense to Taylor Lauterbach, but she's not Ioka Lee. Granted, no one is Ioka Lee, but if this team is to make the tournament, it's going to be off the back of, it's going to be off the back of freshmen like Terrence Sides, uh, Eliza Maupin, and it's going to take another, we're going to have to be a shooting team. We're not going to be the dominant force in the paint. We're going to have to be the team that makes shots with consistency outside of the key. And we couldn't do that last year. There's no Mm -hmm. sugarcoating it. We were terrible like we could not make a shot last year if especially it down the stretch yeah, yeah especially down the stretch and especially at away games we could not make a shot yeah so it's it's not going to be the year this year to make damage in the tournament no the upside is ioka lee has already announced that she's going to be coming back next year and oh, what a warrior what a warrior and that's going to be the year where Terrence Sides, Eliza Maupin, and I believe the two other freshmen that I'm forgetting their names right now will have a year of experience more. Serena Sundell and the Glenn twins will have a year more of experience. So maybe it just gets moved from this year to next. But yeah. this year, buckle up because it might be a tough one. Yeah. yeah. There's still, uh, I will say, if we want to put a positive spin on the team for this year. You look around and there is, we, we have a guy, we've got a good backcourt here uh, with Serena Sundell, the Glenn twins, and also some talented freshmen, Gabby Gregory transfer in from. Oh Oklahoma. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, then a heavenly Greer might hopefully be out of the NCAA shadow realm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, I hope she can play because we need that inside presence. Eliza Maupin, if she is what we think she can be, she's going to be special. Um, I think this team is going to be kind of like last year's, honestly, but just not quite as good. Um, where they're a fun team and they have some really fun games, but they're just going to be so young. They are going to make some some mistakes. I mean, you still have senior leader uh, Emily Ebert. Um but the, other than that, most everybody is pretty young. I mean, you have uh, grad transfer, Sarah Shimazzi. Um, But uh, beyond that, this is a very, very young team. But like you said, Ace, I'm glad you brought it up. That makes the following season after this one a very, very intriguing season because you get a year of experience under the belts of these freshmen, another year for Sundell and the Glenn Twins, and then bring Ayoka Lee back 
without her robotic leg brace thing <laughs> she's been wearing like since the dawn of time hopefully after <laughs> you know, getting a full year to recover we're getting an angry ioka lee just imagine yeah that. yeah and you get a yeah you get ioka lee who seemingly is an incredibly calm and measured person who all of a sudden like probably has a vendetta like to get back on the floor like a more emotional maybe but yoko lee the knee assassin the knee assassin but that would i mean that makes 23 24 uh a very intriguing season uh for the future of women's basketball but i I think that there's going to be something to watch this year. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the Big 12. I think that this takes them from a potential uh, top three candidate in the Big 12 pushing, not not saying they were going to do that. I'm saying they're pushing for it to they're they're going to be probably bottom third team. But I think this is probably to be a team that also finishes strong, but they're going to have some frustrating games uh, in between where, you know, they maybe lose to a team that they should have beat. But there's also going to be a lot of raw talent on this team. People like Eliza Moppin. I think Eliza Moppin, based off the little amount of film that we've been able to watch, which I wish that there was more film that we could watch on these recruits because we're just not able to properly evaluate them with what we have available. But what we've seen on Eliza Moppin, Eliza Moppin's the truth. Like She's going to be really good. Like The way that she is able to move and get to the paint at six foot three is phenomenal. So I, I, have, a, I, have, a random, I have a random anecdote, but... um. Uh, Terrence Sides and I have a really weird like connection because um, I was in an accounting class with her brother Ty and then he came into my um, I was his lead to 12 coach back in the day last year and then I made his, her oldest brother in NCAA 10 for the whatever Florida Dolphins team he was Jacksonville Dolphins so <laughs> random yeah <laughs> Go there, you go. there you go. Go cats. You know what? Go cats. Go cats. Yeah, that that's the unfortunate downer on women's catsketball news. Now we can do the recap for women's soccer, including one game that's currently ongoing. But before we get to that, we played a game last week against Northern Colorado where it ended up as a one-to-one tie. Connor, what do you have on it? Um, well, this should have been a win for K-State. I watched this game, and we played better than Northern Colorado for 80 minutes of this game, but we were only able to find the back of the net just the one time, uh, especially the first half. That was a pretty dominant showing for K-State. Uh, 14 shots to just two for Northern Colorado in the first half. And even the second half, we still were pretty dominant there. 13 shots to seven for Northern Colorado, especially because a lot of those shots came like the last like 10 to 15. But 27 shots and 12 on goal over the game for K-State. Nine for Northern Colorado, three on target for them. Um, This should have been a victory for K-State, but in the 82nd minute, uh, Northern Colorado was able to find the back of the net. Uh, K-State had plenty of opportunities, a lot of near, near, near misses that probably should have gone in, but just weren't quite able to sneak in the goal. Um, but again, you know, like, you, that's how soccer goes sometimes. You know, you play better uh, than the other team for most of the game, and 
you're just not able to find the back and that football even goes that way too you know like you you lose games um or don't play well um well, to maybe connor, that's, that's the same sport connor football soccer you know what well, you're what are you you're talking about <laughs> uh, that, that's very soccer now and no one can do anything our, about it our our overflowing british audience is very confused at the moment but yeah they um Man, really frustrating game to watch, especially down the stretch. Um, especially because I was hoping that I, I was I was a bit more optimistic after watching the first 80 minutes of this game because you know it, it was a rough game uh, the previous week against uh, Northwestern, uh, just getting outplayed everywhere. But KC was playing pretty well in this game for the most part. Um, questionable goalkeeping, I'd say, on K State side, which is kind of a rarity, but sure. it was. Um, uh, yeah, unfortunate tie. Uh, this is, is sometimes as a team, you know, you sneak a tie in and you feel great. Other times, you know, it's the other team just eking out a tie at the very end. And then you really feel pretty bad after. Like, this is one of those ties that basically feels like a loss. Yeah. What do you have to say, Ethan? Well, I, I have two thoughts on this. If soccer being what it is means that we get Adrian Martinez at quarterback, I'll allow it. And um, um, I'm going to use the rest of my time to question why Charlie Hustle had the audacity to use Ioka Lee for their promotional work and not give us an Ioka Lee shirt. I do the Italian hand motion at you. Why? (laughs) Um, It's the only Italian here. I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sad for soccer, but it, you know, Adrian Martinez. Yeah. So there is currently one game ongoing as we record against the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, which Ethan will get his fun fact about in a second. And then on Saturday, they play the University of Texas San Antonio. The Roadrunners, also known as the team Mr. Hurricane is using for an NCAA dynasty this year. Shout out Mr. Yeah. Hurricane. He has no idea who we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have some of the stats on the ongoing game. Granted, this will change a little bit, but it is pretty late in the game at the time of recording. Uh, yeah, 80, 82nd minute. Uh, the Cats are leading right now, 1-0. Yes. Um, we are absolutely dominating in shots, 17-3. Uh, to three. Um, Six shots on goal for us, two for uh, UTRGV. Nine corners to UTRGV's two. Um, per usual, we are fouling more than the other team. Um, but just entered the 83rd minute. Um, we had eight shots in the first half and, uh, we've had, uh, uh, nine so far in the second half. Um, so hopefully they're able to hold on, uh, down the stretch here. Um, we will see, um, I could totally jinx that knock on wood. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully they can hold on for about seven and a half minutes uh from where we're at in this episode so we probably should have the final score by the end of the episode at least so you know we should be able to update that so get you get some real-time information live updates from the aggieville alley cats ethan now's your time to shine buddy what's your what's your fun fact all right well we weren't winning the last time that we talked about this so i'm i'm glad we're winning now this is great news but um the uh rio grande valley also known as the vaqueros um 
you might not know this, but they had an NAIA tennis dynasty in the 1960s, winning the 1961-65 to 65 tennis championships in NAIA. So the more you know. The more, the more you, know, you know, indeed. What the? What? You <laughs> <laughs> know, um, sometimes I think Scott is right. Uh, Scott Wildcat is right when he says that we are just a hive mind being. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is not the first time I've been the part of a hive mind. Yeah. <laughs> Explain. No. <laughs> so. Next up is, we'll have the update by the end of the episode for how the soccer game goes. But the next up is volleyball, which, you know, is volleyball. They had their exhibition game last week. And before we talk about the exhibition results, they play in the K-State Invitational Tournament this weekend. So if you're not doing anything, come out and support the Cats, as well as all of the other teams that are playing. But in terms of what the volleyball team has already done, They played Wayne State last week in an exhibition game, and it took them five sets. It's first to three wins. Um, That's not that's not how you want to start your season. Not against Wayne State. That's uh, that's a bit of a toughie. You know, you still won, so there's that. But (laughs) yeah, it's um, not what you like to see. Um. It was um, I was unfortunately not able to uh, uh to watch this, uh, to watch this game, um. But so I can go through the uh, uh attack, uh list at least like like then the stats and stuff, which is in a PDF. Um, hitting percentage was uh higher than Wayne State's at least. Um, I'm not super well versed in volleyball, and volleyball is a pretty difficult sport to understand like fully if you haven't played it which i have not played it at all with the exception of beach volleyball which simply does not count and but, but you're really good at it i've seen you play oh well i am flattered thank you ethan i appreciate that but the looking here uh leah carter did not lead the team in attack attempts granted it was only by four but she was hitting well uh at a 0.245 uh percent attack uh, success rate with 53 attacks, 18 kills, and five errors. Also, two service errors, um, and then four blocks as well. Um, then on the team, uh, leading K State was a uh, transfer from, I believe, St. Mary's uh, out in the whack, uh, Elena Baca. Um, 57 attack attempts with 17 kills, nine errors, 0.14 attack percentage, four assists. Um, 15 digs as well. Um, going on looking for other uh, relevant uh, statistics. Ava Legrand, the true freshman high school All American, Ava Legrand, um, had seven attack attempts, two kills, and 34 assists. Uh, so solid debut for the true freshman. Um, other than that, Katie Fernholz, 26 attempts, uh, eight kills uh, for a 0.231. Uh, percentage and Sydney Bolding had 26 attack attempts, 12 kills, three errors for a 0.346 uh, hitting percentage. So best on the team there, with the exception of Lauren Hinkle, who had one attack attempt and it worked. I, I don't think that's fair to count that because that's a, that's a you're batting a thousand there on one attempt. 
Uh, 23 assists there as well for Lauren Hinkle. Uh, then Mackenzie Morris had 33 digs as the uh, libero, which I kind of understand what that position is. It, The way it has been explained to me is a loophole for short people to play volleyball. But... <laughs> They also wear a different shirt. They do. They do. I've always, I'd always wondered that, and I was told that recently. And I was like, you know, that that, that kind of makes sense. It's a little weird they have to wear a different shirt, but I guess it's like that way they don't like move around and stuff like that. But yeah, it is interesting, if nothing else. There's a lot of weird, intri- I, I shouldn't say weird. There, there's a lot of strange, unusual intricacies about uh, volleyball that you just kind of have to pick up as you go. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and any thoughts on this even beyond like the the stats or anything well yeah i, I really pulled from mckenzie another person that i met through uh lead 212 coaching um great gal um but every other volleyball person that i've met has broken my heart so i refuse to learn the game <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah like i said in terms of the future for volleyball they play in the k-state invitational this weekend And now we get to talk about the admittedly few, but still relatively important football updates. Like I said, there's not much, but there's some things that are still worth mentioning because Chris Kleiman did have another press conference. And if you want to listen to more in-depth, I suppose, thoughts, go listen to the new podcast, Crewnet Cats, hosted by friend of the show, Nathan and Sarah. Love that guy. Yeah. Love him. (laughs) Greg, yeah. One his, of my favorite guys. One of the best guys, I might say. Top five ginger ever. Man Agreed. who demanded to be on episode 69 for no particular reason. But <laughs> I don't know if we can say no particular reason. I, no, no, there's no good reason. But okay. <laughs> basically his thesis was Kleiman does a lot of coach speak and uses it to push other people. But... That said, there are four things in particular. If I was smart, I would have done three, so we each get one. But the I'll take the first thing, and that is actually, no, no, I'll take the first thing. Connor, you take the second, because I feel like, not because you would be the person to gloat, but because someone needs to call me on it. But <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind that he mentioned is that DJ Giddens is actually going to be RB2 and will get the lion's share of those snaps. So the way I took this is probably it's similar to the Joe Irvin Jacardier Wright situation last year. Now, I know some of you may not be too optimistic when you hear that, but I think it's going to be more truly 2A to B, where Giddens is 2A because he has more knowledge of the playbook. Not necessarily because, well, he is faster. That That's almost certain. Because Frias is many things. Fast is not necessarily one of them, even if he is in that 20-mile-per-hour club. He's but, the incredible bulk. Yeah, that is true. He is an absolute workout warrior. But, oh yeah, he's... So DJ Gins will be getting the lion's share of RB2 reps. So if he's half as good as the coaching staff has made him up to be, we may well have the best running back room in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. I was very happy to hear that DJ Giddens um, ended up as RB2. Um, Giddens is a guy that we've heard a lot about over the last couple of years. So I wasn't expecting him to so decisively be named RB2 this early. I don't think many people were. I think we were expecting uh, more of a running back by committee for running backs not named Deuce Vaughn 
Yeah. Uh, both Anthony Faria, CJ Giddens, and company. But no, DJ Giddens is just outwardly RB2. We'll still see Furious, I imagine, but um, it, it's encouraging that Giddens was able to win the job uh, like this. I'm looking forward to seeing him on the field because uh, everything points to him being an excellent, excellent athlete. So uh, I don't know. Anything else to add on uh, our dear friend, Mr. Giddens, uh, Ethan? Well I, well, I have a stable of what I call my boys on the football team. And uh Giddens is one of them. He's my boy for the season. Um, he's going to do big things, big, big things. Hopefully that bodes better for your boys than the Mitch Fortner, my guy, every year. Was that was that Mitch Fortner or John Kurtz? No, it's John that, Kurtz. It's the Kurtz curse. That's right. The Kurtz curse. That's a shame. <laughs> that's I'd say that could have happened to anybody, but it actually could not could have. Not have. That's, that's very specific. <laughs> Connor, I'm... You read my mind. I think I'm joining joining the hive brain. Honestly, you are welcome to join. There welcome are to join the hive mind. There are always there's there's always room for more in our little collective, yeah. our mental collective that we have. I was really gonna say it couldn't have happened to anyone. So, yeah, you know. that's a shame. That's a shame could happen to anybody. That, that I feel like that's become like the catchphrase of the podcast. Is that's a shame it could have happened to anybody. I'll allow but it really, it. It really couldn't have, though. That's the thing. That's the issue. But all right, Connor, yeah. you take number two. Ethan, yeah. you're the guest, so you get three and four on the list. All right. Oh my yeah. God. Let me hear it. Yeah, we heard a lot of good things about uh, one freshman, Jacob Parrish. Um, uh, so unfortunately, what this also means is that Ace's Recruiting takes about him have aged have officially aged poorly, um, which that truly is a shame. And that truly could have happened to anybody. I'm not going to gloat that much because I don't think you had unreasonable takes about Jacob Parrish, which were basically if he's going to be something which you were skeptical would be that it would take a little while. But Kleiman was pretty much saying there was no way that they could keep him off the field, which I was very surprised to hear that this early about Jacob Parrish. I think that there, I had, a, I had personally had high hopes for him and I was intrigued by his incredible athleticism, but it sounds like we're going to be seeing him playing meaningful snaps sooner rather than later, even as a true freshman corner in the big 12. Um, I'm happy to see that. And at least a, in, the, in at least some way, um, because that means he's really been impressive because there's guys that have been on the roster longer that maybe would have had a better claim to the playing time than him. But he's absolutely, he's been having a great fall camp, um, whatever camp you want to call it. But I don't know. Uh, Ethan, what do you got to add about uh, Jacob oh, Parrish? Uh, first of all, just uh, I feel for my man Ace out there having to hit himself with the surrender Cobra. I see you. I acknowledge you. Um, you're gonna mention but, you know, the one too to rub it real. Because <laughs> uh, no, you were giving me no. that earlier today. You were saying, "Yeah, it's Parrish and Aranda. Those are two names that are gonna haunt you forever." And like, "Yep, sure are." <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm a Aranda guy. I, I love his demeanor. Just go out and do business. But um, but I like how we're we're getting pleasant surprises with everything that we're being that we're talking about today. Gins arriving early. Uh, Parish arriving early, even if it means that uh, Ace has to to 
lie in his bed for this one, just just this once. Um, Ace, do you want to address address the Aggie uh, Alley Cat, not the Aggie Cat, the Aggie Cats? New name. It is time for Ace to address the Alley Frat on this. The Alley Frat. We have the official score of the soccer game, by the way. It's a one one zero victory in favor of K State, but um. Yeah, so I'll be the first to admit I'll hold the L on the Jacob Parrish take. If you go back and listen to the recruiting rankings episode, um, I was very skeptical that Jacob Parrish was going to be anything but a return specialist. I really didn't know what position he was going to play because I kept hearing corner and I'm just like, I don't see him as a corner. Lo and behold, here I am proving once again why I am not a Division One football coach. I'm just a guy on the internet with a podcast. <laughs> For reference, I had him as ninth out of 15 in my recruiting class rankings. Ace, you had him as 14th out of 15. Yeah, because I, I remember Sterling got last and Parrish was 14th. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'll hold the L on this one because, you know, He's a freak athlete, and Chris Kleiman and staff has proven that they're able to develop freak athletes. Uh, if there's a loser to this situation, it's almost certainly Darrell Jones, unless we're going to move him to safety. But, you know, we may move him to safety. I don't know. <laughs> Either that or we'll play um, Jack, which is apparently where we're going to put Drake Cheatham, which I, I think I've, yeah, I don't love it, but, hey, could be worse. So, Ethan, because – do you have any – wait, you just gave your thoughts. So, you get entries three and four. Four. All right. Well, last thing on Jacob Parrish, if he doesn't get an NIL – if he doesn't get an NIL deal with JPs, something is messed up. Um, Oh. Yeah, JP, JP. Um, We'll see that come to fruition. And – so speaking of good news and unexpected places, um, coach said that Duke will be healthy at some time this season. And for my story of how I know, how Ethan knows this athlete, guess what? Also in the leadership building, um, I had a class with uh, Mr. Duke. He referred to himself as Duke. I didn't know he played football. I just thought that was a cool name. Um, he introduced himself. <laughs> um, we had a we had a short conversation. And he got injured the following game, and he never came back to class once. Um, I miss you, Duke. Um, I still want to talk to you. Um, I want to like he's he's my favorite player now because we 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 talked one time, one on one. So um, Ace, what what do you feel about this news that um, Khalid Duke, easily top five name on the team, will be playing at some point this season? I the. I feel like everyone sort of knew it would be this season. I don't think many people expected it to be soon because he's supposed to be back practicing this next week after not practicing or at least not being involved in contact drills for quite a while, which the thing is, is that this defense has kind of evolved past Khalid Duke. And I don't know where he's going to play because where he used to play last year has kind of, morphed and formed into it's like Khalid Duke was split into two people and it became the Sam linebacker and the Jack safety. If I had to pick a spot for him, it'd probably be Sam linebacker. 
But it sounds like Sean Robinson has locked that up. But he's more, Khalid Duke is better as a stand-up edge rusher than a defensive end. And even if he weren't, you still have Jalen Pickle, Nate, Matlick, and Felix. So it's good that it's good that Khalid Duke is going to be back because last year we fell apart when he wasn't. But I'll be interested to see if it turns into a 1A, 1B scenario with him and Sean Robinson at Sam, or if that's even where he's playing. But it's good to hear that he'll be healthy and finally back practicing. What do you think about that, Connor? Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, Ethan, on you never getting to see him again, that's a shame. It could happen to anybody. But I, uh, I, I'm happy you hear that he's uh, going to be back. It took a little longer than I anticipated, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think ideally he would have been back for around the beginning of fall camp. So I'd imagine we probably don't see a ton of him uh, early this year. Um, just because if it's been that long since he's practiced and he's only just getting back in, we might see him for maybe a few snaps uh, in this first game. But I, I'd imagine that he's on a pitch count. Like he might get a handful of situational pass rushes, but it'll probably be a while before we see him at full strength, unfortunately. But uh, it's gonna be kind of all right because I mean, he's still Felix, he still Nays, love Jalen Pickle, still have Eli Huggins. Uh, guy, guys like Uso Sayamalo, uh, Damian Leo, um, and then Brendan Mott, who uh, his name's been kind of circulating a little bit recently as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's good that he's going to be healthy. I'm happy about. I mean, there's no reason not to be happy about it. I mean, he's <laughs> healthy now and he's good. So, but yeah. I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the field whenever that may be. Yeah, I, I mean, I just wish it could have been sooner, but um. You know, I, I really like that, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. I think Uso doesn't get talked about enough. Um, Uso is really good, too, as well. So I think the more talent we have will foster and breed better better outcomes because, you know, people want, like, complacency is the first step towards laziness. So um, in the second little news, I'm blessed to be able to be giving two news segments as your, as your guests here. I'm, Great hospitality, but live game, live game practices start next week. We're going, we're playing South Dakota. Um, I, I like the state, um, but live game practices, big deal, big deal. So um, I love the state of South Dakota, but I don't want their football team to win. Sorry. Ace, yeah. what is the relevance of this? <laughs> yeah, what do you I, it's just more a, a general get excited because football season's almost here. Technically, it starts this weekend with Nebraska Northwestern, which it's not the last time Northwestern will get mentioned during this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just football season's almost back. We're almost we're almost all ready to get back into Bill Snyder Family Stadium to root for the Cats and watch. Adrian Martinez throw for 500 yards a game and Deuce run for 200 yards a game. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to say relevance. I meant the perspective, like your perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Connor, Connor, what do you yeah. think? Um, I love it because that means that we're getting closer and closer. Um, I mean, from when we're recording this, I mean, we're like 36 hours away from the first football game of the year for when Northwestern Nebraska kicks off. Um, I, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to soak up every last like morsel 
of <laughs> K-State football content and the lead up uh, to this. Every time I drive around Topeka, I'm listening to Bosco's Boys or Crew Net Cats um, or um, Three Ma or anything else uh, that I can get my hands Shake on. Shake and Blake is on there, Shake too. And Bla- I love Shake and Blake. Those guys do mm-hmm. awesome, awesome, awesome work in 91.9 and on their uh, – uh, and on the podcast apps as well. Um, I'm soaking up every last bit. Uh, I love the bring on the cats uh, countdown to kickoff that they do where they have the profiles on the player um, oh, yeah. wearing the number of how many days it is. So today was Adrian Martinez and Sincere Mason since it was day nine. Uh, I think you meant Sincere Mason and Adrian Martinez. Yeah, Sincere made that joke. Sincere- <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. So sincere nice. got here first. Fair enough. You know, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But sincerely, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> adverb adverb puns. Love them. Gotta love a good <laughs> adverb pun. <laughs> I I will begrudgingly allow it because you are our guest. <laughs> no other reason. Uh, Get then, in, boys. Yeah, then Friday day of, I'll be Ty Zentner and Philip Brooks. Number of days till like you mean Legatron and Philip Brooks. <laughs> All right, Philly, I'm about to Philly. lose my mind on you guys. <laughs> Are we going with Philly Brooks for the season? I like that one. Philium, Philly. No, no, I draw a line I saw some, somebody on the live show said a uh, philanthropist Brooks. <laughs> Phil Waffle. Uh, Phil Waffle. Mm-hmm. That's enough. That's enough of that. <laughs> I will say I don't love that he changed his number because I liked him at 88. I don't I normally don't dislike um receiver the, the numbers double, being okay. lower. I don't dislike receiver numbers being low and in the teens. Like I think it looks cool, but I like the Phillip was a little different, had an 88. But you know what? It's his senior year. I'll let him I'll let him roll with eight if he, he wants. Have fun. I wouldn't it, have done it personally, but I'm not gonna stop him. It's, it's the Philly special, you know. The Philly special, the Philly special, Philliam Brooks. But mm-hmm. yeah, live game week practice got a little off topic there, but it's all good. I am, I, I'm excited to hear it. I, I cannot wait. It feels like kickoff is so close. Just got to get through, um, just a few more days. It, it, it is claw, right there. Claw through the week. Yep. And it's been a quiet fall camp. Summer camp, whatever you want to call it. So preseason camp. Mm-hmm. I don't preseason camp. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps up all the actual news. So now we can talk about the wacky segments of the week. Yes. And the first w- <laughs> the first one is the wacky news segment of the week. And while it was remarkably tempting to put the name change of the South Carolina mascot, uh, if you're curious, look it up. But it was extraordinarily tempting to have that be the case. But the actual wacky news segment of the week is, you know, Fox Sports with their graphics team haven't had the greatest starts to years. Because last year they had rock chalk during the K-State Stanford game on the television. And this year they made another Kansas State related mistake in that for the Nebraska Northwestern game. Unfortunately, they have pegged the wrong Willy Wildcat for <laughs> their promotional materials on the internet. And it's one of the it's one of the wacky segments where there's like not much to say. It's just funny. Yeah. I I, yeah. I saw that. I didn't see it for a while after it happened. So I was very confused when I saw it. I and I'm wondering like 
don't know. I guess to us, it's obvious that like, like how could you possibly get that wrong? Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I get it. It's a purple wildcat. Like you can't, it, it's fair to like, look up like purple wildcat mascot on the yeah, it, images. It's a purple wildcat named Willie from the Midwest. Like, I, yeah, like I, I get it. It's frustrating. It hurts, but I, I didn't get too upset. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I, know. Um, I think it's funny. I, I thought it was funny that uh, they left it for a while. Like no one noticed for a bit, but it's also just kind of a weird looking graphic anyways. Yeah. Like even without like, like the having the wrong Willie only adds to the effect. I feel like of it just being kind of a strange graphic in the first place. Yeah. I, I honestly thought that it was a, I thought it was an old post from out of context college football when I first saw it. <laughs> awesome account, by the way, but great account. Ethan, do you have any thoughts about the, the wrong Willie Wildcat getting pointed at? I will just say that Northwestern didn't win multiple awards this week for being a great campus. So that's something. And um, I did Google the South Carolina uh, mascot change. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it, Google. <laughs> and now Connor's going to Google it. So, Connor, while you're looking that up, we get to, to go to the wacky segment of the week for questions. And the question is, we've had something somewhat similar to this before, but we're going to slightly change it up. In a battle to the death, which Big 12 mascot would come out on top? Now, let's set a couple of ground rules. All the, the Wildcat, all, goodness me, all that the mascots get is what is on their person at all times. So eventually, the Mountaineer drops the musket, so they don't get the musket. However, Pistol Pete from Oklahoma State always has the pistols on him. So if it is on the mascot at all times, they may use it. With that said, well, Ethan, we'll let you go last to round it all out. And Connor might still be looking at the South Carolina poll. This is so strange. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I'll go ahead and give my pick. And as much as I really want to go with Willie Wildcat, because part of me does believe that he is genuinely bulletproof, I almost have to go with the... It has to be Pistol Pete from Oklahoma State, almost exclusively because of the pistols. I feel like the only thing that would match him is the Red Raider, but I'm not really sure if he's packing the pistols all the time because I know Pistol Pete does. It might just end up being a shootout between those two and everyone else is just kind of kind of gone. <laughs> yeah, I, Jayhawks finish last, always. Uh the Sooners no is, re is represented by a horse, so that would get sent to the glue factory by the Cowboys. Um, disgusting. disgusting. Um, if we, even if we're counting the new Big 12, I don't think either of the Cougars, shout out Zach Wilson, are going to be a real factor in this. Um, Golden Knight may be a possibility just because he has armor, but it's made of gold. So that's not necessarily bulletproof. Plus, it's very heavy. Uh, Bearcats, no. Cyclones, cyclones actually wait. No, because they're because their mascot's the red bird. Their mascot's the red bird, not an actual cyclone. Uh, well, it depends on what era you're using. Because if it's like the early two thousands, 
No, we're we're going current era. All right. Um. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to give it to Pistol P from Oklahoma State, Connor. It have you finished your amazing journey into South Carolina? Yeah, I never thought I would spend that much time looking at South Carolina mascot disputes, but here we are. <laughs> I was tempted to go with Iowa State because I thought that I could use the Cyclone, but if I have to use uh, the Cardinal, then obviously that's just not going to be a victory. Yeah. Um, but because I think a Cyclone on it. I, I think the cyclone, like if it was an actual tornado, clears like yeah. every single mascot. Easy. Oh no, it clears. Like the only thing defeating the cyclone is the green wave. Wave of two lane. Yeah. Um I am going Up to go. Wave. I I gotta say probably uh the Red Raider. Um I don't know if the Red Raider has a name. Um it almost certainly does. But I, I'm rolling with the Red Raider because to me, the Red Raider seems like more skilled yeah. than uh, uh the Master Rider. Master, the master. Zoro? <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> I learned what is the Texas Tech mascot called? Masked Rider, the Masked Rider. <laughs> okay. No, he's a, they did not oh, just name producer. him Masked Rider Squared. Masked Rider oh. Squared, but from the from the producers that brought you the Masked Singer. The Master Rider. The Master Rider. Oh, no. It's the same show, but they just also ride on horses sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. not all the time. No, yeah, it's like a rare occurrence. They can only get the, like, they only have the budget for horses so often. But yeah, I, I'm rolling with uh, uh, the Master Rider here because I don't know. It feels like they have more dexterity than uh, Pistol Pete to me. So I feel like they want to shoot out pretty quickly. And after that, it's, uh, has, uh, it's, it's not going to be too hard. The Baylor Bear, I will say, stands an outside shot just because oh, yeah. of the sheer ferociousness. Yeah. Um, I will say most of, most of the other uh, uh, mascots, animal mascots, probably don't stand a chance. Uh, we might be discounting the West Virginia Mountaineer here as a sleeper pick as well, because if nothing else, the uh, the the Mountaineer, Ocletus, the Mountaineer. I don't know his name. It's Cletus. It almost has to be. It, it must be, right? <laughs> uh, it's just West Virginia Mountaineer. Allegedly. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know if it has a name. Mm. But it's... Uh... <laughs> I, 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 I'm I going with the uh, Red Raider. Yeah, it doesn't have a name. It's just called the Mountaineer. West Virginia Mountaineer. No name. Right. It's never creative. But it's got to be the Master Rider. All right. So, Ethan, this is your favorite segment, so we'll let you ride us out on this one. All right. A lot of pressure. All right. So, if, if it were anyone, like any mascot ever, I'd have to go with the uh, Hilltopper from Western Kentucky, the Muppet thing. This is just that a Big thing, 12. Uh, yeah, but, like, just getting that out of the way. But um, for just the Big 12 on the Rodeo Cat, um, you know, I, I Bevo was, like, my childhood hero growing up. But I'll go with I'll go with Pistol Pete, just a just a rootin' tootin' cowboy. Also, I, I'm I. It took me a second to realize that you just recognized that Red Grimace is going to win a fight against all the rest of the mascots in FBS. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Red Grimace from McDonald's is not going to beat the Green Wave. 
you're telling me that their mascot is called Red Grimace? No, that's just what I call it because it looks like Red Grimace. Oh yeah, it they does. The Muppet. <laughs> they call they call it Big Red, like the below average soda originated from Texas, but or an obnoxious Nebraska fan. Yeah, that's true. Oh, good one. <laughs> All right. So that pretty well wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Don't worry, Ethan, you'll get the absolute last words after the outro. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow the show or contact us, we're at Aggieville Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we're Aggieville Cats at Twitter dot at gmail.com. Oh, no. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthasor, capital C, capital B. And Ethan? I'm at, I had to look this up, I'm at real underscore Ethan Brown, like the color, capital E, capital B. All right. And if you want to support the show in a financial sense, please be sure to check out the official Aggie Boat Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as a Neon Alley Cats, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Doomtang Clan. Now, Ethan... You get the last words other than the Stay Safe Valley Cats. Take us home, man. Well, personally, Clay Sandstorm Cowards is my favorite of the bunch. And um, I will be playing uh, Sandstorm for my students every day of class. So (laughs) be ready for that. All right. With all that said, stay safe, Valley Cats.